The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. We're really glad that you're listening, and we love getting your comments on Facebook and by email. Thanks a lot for participating, and um, we uh, hope that you will uh, call in today with a question or comment for my guest, Richard C. Today, our topic is Reset to Love, and my guest is Richard C. Richard um, is a longtime Unity student. He's also a person in recovery, and he started blogging. He's getting ready to write his life story, and in blogging, he's talking a lot about those deeper issues that are a part of recovery. So we'll be hearing from Richard in just a few minutes. But it's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio, and um, it's great to hear all your thoughts, your ideas, know that we're opening up your mind to new ways of seeing your recovery and to new depths and what's possible on this spiritual recovery journey. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We've got guests that are down to earth, that are knowledgeable and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and we bring you practical insights and information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and uh, we want you to know that you're welcome here. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction, if you're a family member, that's in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're a family member or friend with somebody that's got the disease of addiction, um, or if you're simply somebody that's looking for information about recovery, if you're just curious about the recovery process, we welcome you. We welcome your comments, your participation in our discussions. And again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister, and I'm trained in addictions counseling. Also, I am a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And about 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of recovery principles and unity principles, and it keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. I'm really uh, very grateful for the opportunity to uh, share these ideas with you and to bring guests to you that... um, can support you in your recovery walk. Also know that on every show we've got a drawing and we give away a recovery book. These are donated to us by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation. That's www.hazelden.org. So today's book is a popular one by Melody Beatty. It's called Beyond Codependency and Getting Better All the Time. So uh, also we put into the book a beautiful bookmark created by Unity writer and photographer Barbara Bergen. So you can call our uh, the studio now or you can email us um, and we'll put your name in the drawing for the book. Whether you want to ask a question or make a comment or not, we'll still put your name in. But we'd sure also like to have those comments or questions during the second and third segments of our show. 
Our number that you can call in is 888-558-6489, and our email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, and we do get the emails during the show. So, today we are talking about Reset to Love. Joining me is my guest, Richard C. Richard has been in recovery for about 37 years. He also is a person that digs deep into the spirituality of recovery and the spirituality of life. Richard has uh, been tireless in his exploration of spiritual growth and that he is uh, very eager to keep on growing and sharing that growth with other people. He has been in unity for 17 years, so he combines the unity principles with his recovery principles. He teaches Tai Chi and Qigong to elders. He's married to Marsha, and he has two cats. Richard is also a blogger, and his blog is isthermorethanthesteps.blogspot.com. So if you want to view his blog or participate in that process, you sure can do so. So... Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you so very much, Anna. Every time you do that background, I like to get off the, the radio real quick and go listen to this guy, whoever he is. Yeah. Yeah, really. Well, it's you, Richard. It's you. Yeah, I and, understand uh, it. You know, it's, one thing that's amazing about the recovery process is because everybody that's in recovery it's very interesting. The reason for that, I believe, is because people in recovery are, and people who are pursuing their spiritual path by whatever means are willing to dig into their inner life. They're, they're, they find their uniqueness. So I really see that every time, that, uh, that people are very interesting, as all human beings are. It's just a matter of being willing to, to be honest and talk about your inner life, and I think that's what makes us fascinating people. So thanks for doing that, being here. Absolutely. And one of of the things that uh, I'd like to describe to you today is uh, one of my family members and I, uh, one of my family members who was in recovery and I were speaking the other day, and it seems that every now and then recovery people, and I'm one of them, Uh uh, start thinking that we're we're setting up an us-versus-them society. Uh We in recovery are digging into our soul and we're doing all this mental work, and we're recovering. And Gosh, what are those people out there doing? And that's a very dangerous place for me as a recovery place, a person to be, for I think it just set myself up as the judge and jury of the human race. And uh, I remember 37 years ago when the human race asked me, please go away. We don't like how you live. We don't like how you think. We don't like how you act. And how dare I even have the audacity to use the term them or those people or the earth people. Because when I came to recovery, Anna, I would have begged to get back into the human race. I wanted to be somebody within the confines of humanity because I wasn't there and I wanted to be. So today in the recovery circles and in those Unity circles, even. Um, unity students have a tendency to do this also. Oh, we are unity students, and those people out there, you know, we are just a small microcosm of the, the substance of spirit. Spirit is all of it, so let's be inclusive. Let's stop this duality of persons, you know, recovery versus them. That's, that's, uh, that's going to be my next blog effort, and... Uh, I'll tell you what, this, this is tough stuff. Just putting your life and your, your whole description of your, your psyche out here on a piece of paper, it's, it's not easy. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the, the us, and them, us and them mentality does not help. It's, it's interesting how, in a way, I think each, every human being needs to identify somehow with, with a group of people that, that in some way you feel compatible with, while at the same time, not using that as a way to exclude yourself from other people. Oh, totally. And I now realize that when I was doing that, and hopefully I don't do it today, but I try not to, but when I was doing that, really underneath all that was the fear of, will I fit in? What will they think of me? Will they accept me? Am I the type of person that can 
than be in humanity and do good? Those are all very fearful questions when you come out of your addiction and you're feeling a lack of confidence, you have no self-worth, your psyche has been beat up and brutalized. So I understand how it happened and I understand how it goes on. What I'm here to say for myself, and I hope I hear this the loudest myself, i got to stop that. I good have point. to stop that. Really good point. It's like you're saying that what creates us maybe being exclusionary or setting ourselves apart as a group is really that fear that other people won't like us. Isn't that interesting? And then we kind of set ourselves up so, well, I don't, we don't like other people so because we're really afraid they won't like us. Well, certainly, because the last thing I heard from the human race was, go away. You don't fit with us. We don't like you. Well, that's the last thing I heard, and then I come into recovery, and I really started getting this inkling that I was in the wrong, Anna, at about 20 years of recovery. Mm-hmm. I had to go through some horrendous uh, self-created personal trials and tribulations before I finally figured out, you know, I am going to fit in the human race if I adjust my attitude. So using my, my newfound unity principles along with the, the 12 principles of the 12 steps, it's like how I'm knocking on the door, door folks. How do I get back into the human race? Right. You know, in your blog, Richard, you've got this uh, topic from March the 10th called The Loss of a Loved One, I'm Learning at Last. Right. And in there you talk about how when you before you got in recovery, you didn't know anything, or even when you first got in recovery, maybe you thought it was just about getting sober, but you really didn't know how, and what you say is, how is my interior love system going to get fixed? Yes, absolutely. Uh, when I was in the military, I was in the Navy, and uh, I, uh, I, as a Navy chief petty officer, everybody likes to see those guys carrying uh, caskets around as pallbearers, you know, it looks pretty. And I was just there perfunctionally, just doing something. I don't know what it was, getting a day off. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I hit recovery and people ask me to be participate in their loved ones, it's like, well, man, what am I, just carrying this thing around? What am I, what's this all about? Uh-huh. And then my, my family members started departing. It's like, uh-oh, i I got to check out what this is all about. And I found that the inside of me for my family was just dead, just totally dead. I... Death didn't mean a darn thing to me. I had stared death in the face many times drinking, and it's no big deal. And now my family and my loved ones are passing away, and that's no big deal. So something says that this is kind of wrong, you know. And uh, that's when I had to go inside and say, you know, spirit of life, well, where is my compassion? Where is my, my want and my desire to be with these loved ones? And particularly my father, Anna. Uh, my father... Flunked out of a 12-step program in 1948 miserably, and he uh-huh. died. Twelve years later, he fell off a bar stool, dead drunk, literally dead drunk. Right. And I never rectified the feelings of how much I hated that man for what he did to my family. But down deep, it's in. It's like that's my father. How can I hate my father because I'm supposed to love my father? Boy, oh boy, there's some real mixed-up feelings. Uh-huh. So all this started coming together in my first uh, 15 years of, of recovery, and it's like, I didn't know where to go with this. Right. I, I just had uh-huh. yeah. uh-huh. And uh, I think the strongest realization of right. I'm okay was my mother's passing about three years ago at the age of 90, 93, 92, uh-huh. and she had such a powerfully smooth transition between her and I. I walked out of her hospital room knowing that I now understood what death meant in my life and what it meant to me through my loved ones. So I had to come uh-huh. full circle, full circle right. before I could understand it. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. So you, you found love inside of yourself. You found it by... <clears throat> Digging deep in yourself in through, I don't know, through the steps, through other things, how did you find it so that you were compassionate and that you did, you did have some feelings when well, your mother it, died? Yeah, the first 19 years of recovery were strictly through the 12 principles of the fellowship, strictly there. I mean, uh-huh. I did some 
retreats and I did a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I dabbled in uh, meditation almost. Uh, but when I came to Unity, I was so privileged to have a couple of mentors grab a hold of me, a couple of uh, ladies that were in, in the uh, prayer ministry or had been around Unity for longer than I was alive. And they took a shine to me and said, we think you have potential, so let us help you. And um, they literally taught me how to love. Uh, I'll never forget I, uh, my first minister, Phil Schlafler, in Christ uh, Church Unity Orlando, let me start a, a meditation, a healing meditation. And uh, this lady walked in and looked at me and said, Let's get busy. I met a man in a hospital, and I got to get him out of there and marry him. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought she was crazy. But, you know, two weeks later, Jim got out of the hospital, and they got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the lady that knew the <coughs> teacher. She knew the principles of love is nothing but a manifestation of the divine. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah, right. I mean, in, in fellowship, we talk about this stuff, but nobody really practices it as far as I can see. So it took me an outside source for me to learn that love is deep within me. Love is what I am made of. Love is what is going to be my saving grace in all affairs. And uh, then I went back into the fellowship. It's funny because I went back into the fellowship. Uh, Seriously, in a a strong effort to say, maybe the stuff was there all along and I didn't see it. And by golly, I picked up... uh, picked up a few things in the fellowship that have been saying for years, and I finally heard them for those, for all those that have ears to hear, you know, I finally could hear it. So, uh, I, again, I came full circle, um, using the Unity Principles to back into uh, my original 12-step program and, and, and apply them there. So, it, it's just been one big wheel after another. Right. Yeah, that's incredible, because it is true. I, I believe that principles are like a ladder that they can take you, you can take them anywhere and they and you can prop them on the roof and they'll help you climb up to a higher place or you can put them on the ground and they'll help you climb up to the next higher place. But principles are universal, whether it's 12-step principles or unity principles or any kind of uh, principles. They'll take you wherever you want to go. But we're standing in different places. And sometimes we blame the principles and think the principles don't work, but I think it's really that we don't know how to work them. There's a line. There's a line in the text of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in page 62, and I've, I've studied that book so much I can call page numbers on a lot of the stuff. If you read it long enough, you'll you'll remember them. But it says that God is principle. It's our principle, and that principle, right. that, the word principle, it means it never changes. It always is. And that was the key for me. The principles of that program, along with my five basic unity principles always will be the same forever in my life. If anything needs to change, it's me. Right. What a realization. What a realization. Yeah. How about that, huh? What a, what I'm a, a surprise. Slow, I'm a slow bloomer. I'm a slow bloomer. It only took me 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, lately, I've been reading a lot and finding out, even from people like Dr. Phil. I don't watch Dr. Phil regularly, but I did hear the one line he said, uh, the brain of a 20, approximately 25-year-old is just to, to the development stage where they can actually grasp the concept of love and spiritual love. Yes, Even that's right. Yeah. That's incredible. So here I am. So right. here I am. I come to recovery at the age of okay, 30. Richard, we're going to have to take a break right now, but we're going to come back to this. This is pretty good about the brain of a 20-year-old. So when we come back, we're going to start with the Serenity Minute, a brief moment to focus on a constructive thought, and then my guest Richard and I are going to keep talking about Reset to Love. So join us, call us at 888-55-UNITY, or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, and we'll be right back. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. 
He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. What would a human life based on the principles of an evolutionary spirituality look like? Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith, and none at all, to passionately participate in the next great epoch in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Rev. Kelly Isola, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Reset to Love. And my guest is Richard C. Richard uh, has 37 years in recovery. He's a Unity student of long standing. Uh, He teaches Tai Chi and Qigong. And he's now a blogger, beginning the process of writing his life story and exploring some of those deeper issues in recovery, like loving relationships, honesty, um, what it uh, should what's real maturity in spirituality. So we're loving our conversation with Richard. But before we continue, we're going to take a moment to center ourselves in peace of mind in our serenity minute. So I invite you to join me for this moment to center with this constructive idea. Allow yourself to relax and take in this thought. No matter what has happened to me, today I have the ability to love and be loved. Today, I let my higher powers love heal and touch me. No matter what has happened to me, today, I have the ability to love and be loved. Today, I let my higher powers love heal and touch me. Thank you for joining in with the Serenity Minute. I hope that it refreshed you and put you in touch with that spirit of love and light that lives inside of you. And now we're back with my guest, Richard C. We're talking about Reset to Love. This is a great time to give us a call or send us an email, and uh, we'd love to hear your comments, your questions. Uh, Richard would, be love, would love to entertain those. And remember that we do want you to join in the conversation Also, contact us if you would like to have your name put in the drawing for the book. And today's book, donated by Hazelden Foundation, is Beyond Codependency and Getting Better All the Time by the author Melody Beatty. Our number is 888-55-UNITY, and the number is also on the Unity FM uh, webpage. 
And our email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. So give us a call. We'll put your name in the drawing for the book. Or if you've got a comment or question for Richard, we'd love to have that as well. So Richard, right before the break, we were talking about um, what you heard Dr. Phil say about the, the brain of 20-year-olds. And um, yeah, yeah. it takes a while to get to get into that spiritual place, huh? That You think that's true? Well, I'm telling you. I, uh-huh. I, you know, I started my drinking at the age of 11, so pre-puberty and, and adolescence, I was out of it already. And I didn't understand when I first came to recovery, you know, I thought I was 32 years old and psyche-wise in a 32-year-old body, and that that wasn't true. And then 20 years later, 23 years later, I'm finally getting to where I can go into my heart, go into my psyche and say, I am love. Then I hear Dr. Phil say, well, you know, the average 25-year-old is finally, his brain has developed to the point where it can grasp the concepts of love. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I, I was right on track. I was right on schedule. Just a little removed in time, but I was right on track. Mm-hmm. And that has opened my eyes up to helping some people, you know, in three years in a, in a recovery program wondering, well, why don't I get it yet? You know, that's why. They're not, right. they're, I don't think they've developed yet. Mm-hmm. That, that's an old personal thing. But Dr. Phil pretty well supported it, so. Right. Yeah, that's good. Good to know what happens to us sometimes. So, Richard, you talk about honesty in your blog. Talk about how important that is and how you didn't really know much about honesty for a long time. That may have been the second hardest one I ever had to write, Anna. It was... uh... Uh, I can talk about honesty all day long. Uh, if you want to talk about the cash register honesty, or, you know, put the candy bar back or go ahead and pay the bill on time. But what about getting back into the human stream again and being honest with those people around me, particularly my loved ones? What about being able to express my true feelings in a compassionate, loving way? What about not holding back when I know it's going to damage my relationships because I'm dishonest? I don't have the courage and the conviction of the spirit in me to to stand up and say, this is how I feel. I love you dearly, friend, but this is how I feel. I could never do that. It was not in my game plan, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. That's that's the kind of honesty that I've tried to build around me today uh, and to be a part of my life, my circle of life. Those people that are able to love and be loved, give and receive, they're the ones that, you always hear this in in AA, the winners, the winners, the winners. It's not about not drinking, Anna. It's about being a loving person to all those people in all my affairs. That was tough. Right. Right. It's like building a whole different way of life. Oh, I mean, at the end of my drinking in the first seven years of my, my uh, recovery, it, when the truth would have done me better, I told a lie anyway. I, I mean, that's how ingrained in my life as a young person, as a, as a teen, as a, uh, a young adult, that's how uh-huh. I lived. I lived on my, uh, on my ability to have an alibi and excuse system and, and tell lies. Uh-huh. And it served me well up until the day that it all crashed. And right. then I was lost. Just totally lost. I don't know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. So, so it took me a little bit of time to figure out that we're not just talking about this surface honesty. We're talking about that honesty of the mother, mother father, God deep within me is is my very projection, and that's honesty. Right. Tough stuff. It's not for the faint of heart. Yes. Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it requires us to go deeper into our own inner life. It, it calls us to know something about our own emotions, to know something about our own values. Yeah, it makes it does take courage. It takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, another blog entry that I hooked into that was uh, the, the, the one about tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many times I had heard uh, the tip of the iceberg theory that only one-seventh shows and the rest is underwater. And that's what killed the Titanic, and that's what's killed many, many ships, that six-sevenths that we don't see. Uh, that's what destroys things. 
And that's the way my love was. All you saw was that one-seventh above the water, but underneath, it was a killer. It was a real killer. And I was of a mind at about 23 years of sobriety, I need to invert this iceberg. I need to get that six-sevenths of the love of me, the Father within me, the Spirit within me. Uh, the AA book calls it the Father of Light. Right. Get that out to the open. Let all see that. And boy, there's another challenge. Let me tell you, there's another challenge. Keep that above water to let everybody see in the present moment where I try to live. See mm-hmm. what I'm really about. What's really going on? Tough stuff. That, I mean, it, it's just not, I wasn't raised that way. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, there's a lot that uh, that all of us as human beings have to learn. I it's certainly not you unique to me or any uh news flash to think that right now humanity is going through a lot of changes in the ways that we relate to one another. Um how do you see spiritual principle as a part of that? We uh we have a um a meditation uh that is held here in town. On uh, Wednesday evenings, and the thrust of that is it's uh, a community meditation. And if we can sit in the high watch for one half hour, then walk out of here and portray what we feel in that meditation, then the spirituality of this moment of today is growing. And we go out and we interface and we work with others, and we will be the presentation of that spirit. So. If you ask me if, if we could change humanity right now, I'd say absolutely not. But we could change it one heart at a time. Um, the spirituality of you has affected numerous people, and is, is today even still in your current, in your current job place. Uh, the people in the control room, the, deep, the deep-seated the deep feelings within to, to serve others, look how many they serve. It's, kinda, it's a personal thing. They can only do it on a personal level. I can't do it anywhere else. So the spirituality of humanity and life is deep within me, and I am going to work on that and let everybody else, you know, do the best they can. Right. Yep. That's that's good. That's really important. And um, so you also talked about. Uh, oh, we just got an email from a woman, Melinda, and Melinda has a question. Melinda asks if you think that the disease of addiction is hereditary or if it is can be changed if um, children are raised in a home where the 12 steps are practiced and maybe they go to something like Alateen, which is a 12-step program for the families, for the teen members of families with alcoholism for, for to relate as a family member for their own recovery as a family member. So what do you think? Melissa asks that. Melissa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Melissa. Okay. Yes. My thought on that is I have, ever since I came into this fellowship, uh, through the, the literature of the NIAAA and NCAA, uh, NCAM, uh, and everywhere I can get my hands on, I have watched for the neuroscience that would come up with the gene that says this is hereditary. Mm-hmm. I have not found it yet. They found a couple of subgenes that may affect. Uh, the third-born male child of a, a person who has a disease of alcoholism, but not, there's no direct correlation that I can find yet. So I have to go with the nurture thing. I'll use my own personal family. My own personal family, I have three children. The oldest child probably suffers from a lot of neuroses. I'm, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a father watching her. And she probably suffers from a number of, of neuroses. Alcoholism and drug addiction is under the umbrella of being a neurotic. The major overall category is a neurotic. Then we break it down into little things like alcoholism, drug addiction. So I, I see the oldest one saw the most of my conduct in drinking and then saw the most of my conduct in recovery. Same thing with their mother. She, the oldest child saw the most of both of us in, in our effort to be a couple, to be a family. So if there's anybody in the family that's going to be afflicted more than anybody through nurturing, it'll be her. And to this date, it appears that that's true. 
my little child, my little child thought, again, a little less, obviously, two years less, because she's two years younger, and she eventually ended up in recovery because she saw a little bit more of her mother and I, her mother and Alan on, myself in the other program. She bottomed out in her neuroses and came to recovery. Then we get to the third child, and it wouldn't have mattered whether it was a son or daughter, and I'm not even going to say what it is. The third child appears to be as close to normal as I could peg normal. Mm-hmm. He's a little brash. He's a little bold. Uh, I just said he. He's a little brash. He's a little bold, but he's successful in life. He's a loving child. So all three of my children, I think, are a portrayal of the nurture versus nature. They were nurtured by my wife and I's family actions and parenting, and then later actions as older adults. Our actions uh, helped create them. So I would right. say the nurture versus nature. Yeah. There, you know, who knows? It's still controversial. There is research that indicates there's a, certainly a strong genetic component, um, and also that stress plays. Uh, it's, it's like, again, who knows? Nobody really knows. But what the science is to date is that there's strong genetic components and also the other components that seem to go into the soup that might propel somebody um, into the disease of addiction is a stressful environment, um, lack of support um, emotionally in their environment, and the opportunity to use and use chemicals, alcohol and other chemicals and or other chemicals, and also uh, the... the um, if it's a young person, there is the science that says that that's why it's important that uh, young folks not, kind of back to Dr. Phil in a way, that young folks not use because um, the brain isn't fully developed until, I don't know what the, the exact number is, but like 22 or something, so that yeah. when folks use chemicals early on, it has the potential to affect um, their brain chemistry in ways that doesn't happen if they don't start using until later. It's, so it's, it's, uh, it's amazing me because over the years I've got to watch uh, people show up uh, from families that were totally uh, normal, or at least on the surface they appear to be. Uh, they were well-balanced, well-centered, well-read, uh, well uh, moneyed, and one child will pop out of there and be the biggest addictive person you've ever seen in your life. And it's like, well, how did that happen? Right. And then, yeah. Then yeah. The opposite, the opposite would happen too, and it's like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. It, to be, it isn't as simple as I try to make it. I realize this is a very uh, synergistic effect. Everything has uh, its effect on the young child. Uh, I think the more important thing for Melissa, if that's the right name, Melissa, mm-hmm. is what does, what does the child do once they become aware of their addiction? That's the more important question, not how did I get this way or why did I get this way. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. I feel that that's the more important question. Yeah, that is important. That really, that really matters. That's a good way to put it. So it's time for our break now, and um, we'll be right back. But with Richard, we're going to talk some more about Reset to Love and about how to really live recovery, live spirituality in a very deep way. So, again, give us a call or send us an email um, during the break. The phone number is 888-55-UNITY. The um, email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. And we do get the emails during this show. And also, we'd love to put your name in for our, drawing our book today. We, write, we will be right back. Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats, and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. 
To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. Sure, you say you love yourself, but do you really? When was the last time you were in an intimate conversation with someone and paused because there was something you could not reveal? Let's Get Naked with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep us from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Fridays at 1 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is Reset to Love, and my guest is Richard C. Richard has got 37 years in recovery. He's a Unity student of long standing. He is a person that really believes that recovery is the doorway to life, and so you've got to live these spiritual principles and work them and find uh, spiritual help wherever you can because the point is to really be fully alive and participate in life. Richard's had some great experiences with uh resetting his life to love he tells us that he didn't know much about love before he got in recovery and maybe even for the first so many years but now he does and he's uh, made some real changes in his life we'd love to hear from you we'd love to get a call another email we're thankful for melissa and her email and her question the phone number is 888-55-UNITY our email is spirit of recovery at unity.fm so we'd love to hear your comments and questions. So, Richard, you also blog about um, the difference between being used and feeling used. You're talking about a surrender to higher power. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, those are some volatile emotional days. I, I, um, there was a time in my early recovery uh, that I felt like uh, everybody was trying to get from me. Uh, that the Navy wanted something, and that my family wanted something, and the people I was uh, hanging around with in, uh, in recovery wanted something. It's like, when the heck do I ever get something? Everybody wants something, you know? And I, I just felt used. Now, that's obviously my problem. Nobody else's problem, just mine. And I went through about uh, another 12 years of that. Low-level, back-in-the-background depression, like, you know, when do I get mine? When do I I'll do all this work? When do I get mine? You know, everybody gets theirs. They get it from me. You know, I give this. I give oh, insanity at, at its best. Then one day, when I walked into the Unity Church in Orlando, Florida, was the day that it changed. Uh, I had left my, my first wife. And it became necessary in my health and my emotional health to leave the marriage. And I suffered uh, pretty deeply from that. Even though I was the one to make the break, it was it was required, and I suffered. And I thought, once again, here I am giving everything. I'm giving everything, you know. Uh, that's a lot of self-pity hanging out in there, I think. But walked into the Unity Church, and the first thing that dawned on me was nobody wants anything from me. All they want to do is just let me sit here and be myself. And that was overwhelming. That was absolutely overwhelming. The quietness that that brought inside of me, I sobbed for six weeks. The, the, the minister, Phil Slafler, I know he started getting concerned, like, what is wrong with this guy? Uh, at the end of six weeks, I decided to become the church mouse. 
I hung out in that church day, night, cleaned the toilets, did the floors, did the meditations, opened the mail, whatever that man needed done, I did it. Only because nobody asked me to do anything. So it comes down to if I could just empty myself of my own volition because I wanted to, nature abhors a vacuum. As soon as I would empty it, it would be filled with love and compassion. It was amazing, uh, absolutely amazing in my life at 20, 22, 23 years of sobriety. All of a sudden, I actually could feel like I was, I was being used by the spirit of life to help other people instead of other people using me. It was incredible. Um, and it all it, it required me to once again to hit that level of destitution in my mind and heart to say, I give up. I just simply surrender. I give up. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So uh, that's when I, I metamorphosed out of uh, poor me, poor me, poor me, like, wow, look what I have found. I am on the road. I had a couple of bumps on the road since then. I mean, I'm not perfect yet. Doggone it. But uh, it sure has gotten an awfully lot better ever since I decided I'm being used by the spirit of life. Nobody that's, else. Nobody else that, has the power to do that. That's powerful. It's that switch from the focus on personality to spirit. It's living exactly. at a different depth. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, I see so many people in recovery, especially in long-term recovery, and, and you can sense the overwhelming love deep within them. You see it. You feel it. You taste it. And I sit there and say, just put the plug in the jug and go to me and shut up. Like, ah, you're missing it. You know, you want to say to them, please, wake up, listen to your heart for a change. But you don't. You just pray for them and keep going. But, you know, you be the example. You just be the example. You tap dance through life, hug everybody, love everybody, do everything you can, and someday they'll look back and say, wow, he was pretty okay. But it doesn't matter. It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a great way of life. You feel free. It's honest. This is as honest... My living with a smile on my face is the most honesty I can show anybody today. Is it there 24 hours a day? No, only 23. I sleep the other one. Well, but I'm telling you, it, it is, that is honesty in action. When you can put the smile of God on your face and show everybody and mean it, that's honesty. And you are, in fact, being used by your God of your understanding to do its work. Richard, you, on your blog, which is is there more than the steps dot blogspot dot com, for our listeners that would like to get in on your blog, there you also blog about pocket idols. <laughs> Knock on wood, nah. And you, you you talk about the maturity, really. You talk about moving into spiritual maturity away from superstition. Yeah. Um... I wasn't a terribly superstitious person when I was in my addiction. I was a more self-centered person. There was no such thing as luck. I did everything. I was the cause of life. Uh, and then when it came to the, the fellowship, the family around me and my loved ones and uh, the people I hung out, they found out they all had superstitions. Well, I kind of fell in line with that. It was okay. Some of them were pretty hokey, you know, but that's okay. And then I read Sermon on the Mount by Dr. Emmett Fox. In 1974, in my early early recovery, and it is his his dissertation that there is no such thing as luck, that the spirit of life, God as you want to call him, is responsible for everything, cause and effect, unity principle, cause and effect, uh, spiritual principle, cause and effect. And for the next 37 years, I've been reading Sermon on the Mount, sharing that book, sharing group uh, meetings on that book. And I've come to find out that these people, including myself, who used to knock on wood, who used to walk around telephone poles right, and throw salt over their shoulder and wish for luck, and wish for luck. And the other side of that is blame everything on bad luck. It's like bad luck, bad luck. You know, why take responsibility in life? You always got bad luck to blame. I found out that uh, that's all garbage. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story, and then I'll, I'll move on for a second. Uh, I moved to Naples, Italy with my family in the Navy. The Navy saw fit to send me over there in 1977. And about the third night we were there, I was eating dinner in an Italian restaurant, and my medallion 
first uh, from the fourth year of, of uh, or the third year of sobriety fell out of my pocket. And I got back to the hotel and they discovered it was gone. I went back to that restaurant like a complete possessed maniacal person because everything I owned in my life emotionally and spiritually was wrapped up in that medallion. That was my higher power. I ripped this poor man's booth apart. I was like a complete nut. Couldn't find it. I went to the nearest phone, called long distance, my sponsor in Baltimore, Maryland, said, send me another one because I don't know what I'm doing. I have nothing to hang on to. <laughs> His response was, well, maybe, okay. And about nine weeks later, he decided to mail me one. Uh, and, and that was the message. It's not The power's not in the medallion. The power's not in the chip. The power's deep within you. You carry it all the time. It's there. It is only, it's only good. My, uh, the uh, group that I'm privileged to, to chair, right now we're doing the third Jesus by Deepak Chopra, but we have a straw poll we take. It's God is everything, everywhere, all the time. We get to vote yes or no. No other vote. And that group always votes yes. God is everything, everywhere, all the time. That means that pocket idols and luck, there's no such thing. There's only God. And I feel that was such a strong conviction, Anna. Gave all my medallions away. Don't knock on wood. Don't say good luck. I, I do buy the lottery because God, as I understand, someday is going to be my source. Who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what that one is all about. I mean, it's become people look at me walking into these meetings like, oh, here he comes. You know, don't talk about chips. Don't talk about medallions. <laughs> but that's okay. It's fun. There's a real uh, sense of safety and power that comes when you know that God is in you, through you, as you, around you, because you don't have to worry about uh, losing anything. doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable, but uh, when we lose things, small things like recovery chips or big things like jobs, but, but there's a different sense of well, how you can be grounded. A cute little slant on that, uh, as I understand it, historically, uh, people in recovery circles do not want to talk religiosity. That is not a subject that anybody wants to get into. I don't care what the major religion is, they don't want to deal with it. And, and I understand that. But yet, the medallion thing, the medals, started out with Sister Ignatius in Akron, and it's an old Catholic tradition. Now, here, take this medallion out there. I'm your senator sponsor. I'm sponsoring you in this program. Go out and see Dr. Bob. Well, in 1935, 36, that worked. It was absolutely essential. But in 2011, you want to talk about that now? Oh, oh no. We're not going to talk about that. Sister Nature wasn't one of us. So it's Richard, a dichotomy. <laughs> thank you so much. It's, our time is up. You've been great. Uh, it's wonderful. You're a, a, a recovery rebel. And, and moving it all forward and helping us remember that it, we're all, everybody's in this all together and you're just a light. Thank you so much for being um, on the show and thank you for your blog and for your recovery and for your spirituality. Blessed to be hearing from you. Last word is if anybody has there asked you, if there's more than the 12 steps, say absolutely there's life. All right. Well, thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, again, thank you, Richard, for being on here. We're glad all of our listeners are tuning in. We're glad to hear from you through email. Thank you, Melissa, for emailing us. Check us out on Facebook and uh, join in the discussion. Next week, our show is going to be Legacy of Love. My guest is Janet L. Janet's a member of 12, several 12-step programs, and she's going to talk to us about what happens when a family has several family members that get into recovery and into unity and how they can change the chain of pain into a legacy of love. God bless you. You're in my prayers, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. 
This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Love yourself, but do you really? When was the last time you were in an intimate conversation with someone and paused because there was something you could not reveal? Let's Get Naked with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep us from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Fridays at 1 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. There is Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Reverend Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that'll captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, where we'll be joining in the consciousness of the unceasing prayer activity of Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. The Unity message is universal, uniting, empowering, and transformational. Carrying this message to the world with the power of music and song are scores of singers and songwriters who dedicate their extraordinary gifts to helping heal the world and spread the message of unity and oneness. These are the Messengers of Unity. We salute the Messengers of Unity. The voices of the one voice of all humanity. Tune in to Pazapalooza, music that matters, with host Richard McDesey to hear the music and the artists who are changing the world, one song at a time. Fridays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. 
Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>